You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We are in uh, a series on love came down. Today we're going to be talking about love, the fourth dimension. So let's get into the word for this afternoon. Quick review. Beginning, we started the series off by saying that faith works by love. Out of Ephesians, Paul talked about faith being energized or activated by love. Remember that our Lord said, with faith we can move mountains? That's pretty powerful. He said, faith is super, super powerful, and it will move things in your world. And it's a supernatural thing. It'll move. But it happens by faith. If you have faith as a seed of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move. So faith is incredibly powerful. But then we learned that faith works by love. A car moves, but I mean, a car has to have fuel in the gas tank before it moves. If you get into your car and you try to start it, what's the first thing you do? You look at the gas tank. Is there any fuel in there? There's no fuel. Obviously, you've got to fuel up, and then your car has got power again. Or if this microphone works by a battery, stops working, we say, oh, check the battery. Is there power in that battery? If there is, then the microphone's going to work. So with our faith, if our faith is like, oh, God, how come nothing's happening? It just feels like prayers aren't being answered. I feel like nothing's changing or moving. Then we have to check up on our love because faith works by love. You have to check up on your love walk. Because if the love walk isn't there, the faith doesn't work. Faith works by love. Faith is energized by love. So then we moved on and talked about, well, who puts love in our tank? God puts love in our tank. Our heart is the gas tank for the love, and love gets poured into our heart. Now, you can't just have a one-time fill-up and you're done. You know, we're not some type of a hybrid that gets, you know, a zillion miles a gallon. We have to fill up quite often. Every day, as a matter of fact, you've got to fill up your love tank. And you fill it up, and you refuel it, and then we're able to walk by faith. Every day, we live by faith, correct? The just shall live by faith. So every day, we need faith. So every day, we need God's love. Does that make sense so far? Have I lost anybody? No. Okay, you're all tracking. Good. Faith works by love. Love is poured into our heart. Romans chapter 5. I don't have it in your notes, but let me read it. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit who has given to us, who was given to us. So the Holy Spirit puts his love in our heart. And love combined with faith causes things to move. A good uh, word search to do in the Bible is just look up the word compassion and the life of Jesus. And you'll see Jesus was moved by compassion and he healed the sick. Jesus was moved by compassion and he fed them all too. Jesus was moved by compassion, lady coming through town, single, one son, he's dead. Jesus, moved by compassion, raises that boy to life. Is that power? Absolutely. Huge power. It broke the three-dimensional world. It's not normal for a son to be raised from the dead. But love will break through a three-dimensional world. Thousands of people, no place to eat, tired. Jesus doesn't want them to faint, cares about them, says to the disciples, We've got 4,000 men plus women and children, and I'm concerned about them. I have compassion on them. We need to do something. Move by compassion. Love moves something. Love's cha- love will change your natural world. When you look at it from a three-dimensional perspective, you'll say it's impossible, but love breaks through 
the three dimensions into our world. Jesus moved by compassion, healed the sick, moved by compassion, fed the multitudes, moved by compassion, moved by love. Love is a fuel mixed with faith that moves things. So we're talking about love, this other dimension today, and uh, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures as we go through it. But the most important thing for us is to get love in our own hearts. So I thought I would go to a little uh, email that I received on how to get love installed in your heart. Uh, we're, we live in the world of apps, correct? You download apps and you, and you, you, know, you, you hit install and then this thing installed and you see the little green bar going across and it's now installed. Well, we need love installed in our hearts. So for all you technical and, uh, and IT people, this will help you get love installed in your heart. So here's a call that took place for a woman wanting to have love installed in her heart. Tech support says, yes, ma'am, how can I help you? And she says, well, after much consideration, I've decided to install love. Can you guide me through the process? She was having a problem. Tech support, yes, I can help you. Are you ready to proceed? Customer, well, I'm not very technical, but I think I'm ready. What do I do first? Tech support, the first step is to open your heart. Have you located your heart, ma'am? Customer, uh, yes, but there are several other programs running now. Is it okay to install love while they're running? Tech support, what programs are running, ma'am? Customer, let's see. I have envy, low self-esteem, grudge, and resentment are currently running. Tech support, uh, well, love will gradually erase past hurt from your current operating system. It may remain in your permanent memory, but it will no longer disrupt the other programs. Love will eventually override envy with a module of its own called high self-esteem. However, you have to completely turn off grudge and resentment. Those programs prevent love from being properly installed. Can you turn those off, ma'am? Customer, I don't know how to turn them off. Can you tell me how? Tech support, with pleasure. Go to your start menu and invoke forgiveness. Do this as many times as necessary until grudge and resentment have been completely erased. Quite a while later. Okay, done. <laughs> love has started st installing itself. Is that normal? Tech support, yes. But remember that you have only the base program. You need to begin connecting with other hearts in order to get the upgrades. Customer, oops, I have an error message already. It says error, program not run on external components. What should I do? tech support. Don't worry, ma'am. It means that the love program is set up to run on internal hearts, but has not yet been run on your heart. In non-technical terms, it simply means you have to love yourself before you can love others. Customer, so what do I do? All right, tech support. Can you pull down self-acceptance, then click on the following files? Forgive self, realize your worth, acknowledge your limitations. Okay, done. Tech support. Now, copy them to the My Heart direct directory. The system will overwrite any conflicting files and begin patching faulty programming. Also, you need to delete self-criticism from all the directories and empty your recycle bin. Got it. Hey, my heart is filling with new files. Smile is playing on my monitor. And peace and contentment are copying themselves all over my heart. Is this normal? Tech support, sometimes, for others it takes a while, but eventually everything gets it at the proper time. So love is installed and running. One more thing before we hang up, love is actually freeware. Be sure to give it away and its various modules to everyone you meet. They, in turn, will share with you some modules that are pretty cool. Customer, I promise to do that, but by the way, what is your name? 
tech support, just call me the Divine Cardiologist, also known as the Great Physician or just I Am. Most people feel all they need is an annual checkup to stay heart healthy, but the manufacturer suggests a daily maintenance scheduled for maximum love efficiency. So there you go. Now you know how to download love into your heart. It's pretty simple. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, all November we went through Ephesians chapter 1. This is Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians 1, he was praying for them. He prayed, I pray your eyes would be open. I pray that you'd understand what God has for you. I pray the power that he has, you'd, you'd understand that. I pray you understand the possessions that you have in Christ and even just the position you have as being adopted children. Now in Ephesians 3, he's still praying for them, and here he's praying for them really that they get a grip on what love is. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I put in verse 10 and then verses 14 to 21. Verse 10, it says, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He said, this wisdom that I'm praying that you get, if the church gets it, they'll make it known to a heavenly realm. And I put that verse in there because when we pray and when we stir faith and love together and power is released, that power changes the spiritual realm around us. And then comes a change in the natural realm. It's a spiritual realm, we pray. For example, if you have a child who's walked away from God, your prayers are changing things in the spiritual realm. And all of a sudden, they find themselves talking to somebody at work or somebody else is sharing with them. And all these little coincidences happen. But where did it first take place? In the spiritual realm. And so we, we keep that in mind as we go through this lesson. Then he goes on in verse 14. For this reason, Paul's praying, I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he's praying that he would grant us. So let's take it personally. He's, he's He's talking to the church in Ephesus, but really this is for us. It's for coastal churches, for you and me, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Your core strength. When you go to the gym and you work out, a lot of talk about getting your core strong. Spiritually, our core is this inner person, our heart. This is where we get strong. If that's strong, it makes a huge difference in the other areas of our life. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now watch this closely. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Through faith, you being rooted and grounded in love. Again, the two things. See them cropping up? Faith and love. Faith and love. Faith and love. Wherever there was faith, wherever there was an answer to prayer, there was love. You can't have faith without love. Faith won't work without love. So wherever there's faith, there's love. He said, man, that was an answer to prayer. That, that, that changed things. Well, there had to be love there in order for faith to work. Faith rooted and grounded in love. Faith grounded in love, rooted in love. So faith is like the seed. Love is the soil. Take the seed, put it in the soil, germination happens, and all of a sudden something's produced beyond the seed. It's multiplied, right? So love is the soil. They're, they have found seeds in the pharaoh's tombs in Egypt that are thousands of years old, 3,000 years old. They take that little seed of wheat and they put it in soil today, and guess what? Wheat grows, thousands of years old. But the seed has potential to produce so much more. 
Remember the first lesson we talked about potential energy versus kinetic energy. We all have potential energy. There is power within us, but it's released when we love. It goes from potential to kinetic. And the power of God's released in us when faith is rooted in love. Paul's just praying to get a hold of that. Why? Why bother? Why take a Sunday even talking about it? Why, why would we even pause on this? Why, why is Paul so passionate about this? Because he knew that the victory for the Christians lay in the simple fact that get a revelation of faith and love. Combine the two. You weren't, we're not designed to live in defeat. God wanted us to live in victory. He said, I've made a covenant with better promises. You're more than a conqueror. And Paul wanted them to succeed and to be more than conquerors, but it wasn't going to happen without a revelation of God's love, a revelation of faith. He said, faith rooted and grounded in love. And then read on. He says that you'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width, the length, the depth, and height to know the love of Christ. I'm praying you comprehend the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It's that literally there it says passes science. You know, science has a hard time figuring out what's in the next dimension, another world. We know there's possibly 10 dimensions. There's something that's beyond what we can see in the natural. We know there's more than three dimensions. We live in a three-dimensional cube, and so we, we analyze everything in our three-dimensional world. But if you study science at all, you know, well, Einstein said that time was likely the fourth dimension, but now they tell us there's possibly 10, maybe 11 dimensions. But with our three-dimensional mind, we, we just can't compute that. Not a problem for God. If there are 10 dimensions, how I many know he designed them as much as he designed anything else? That's, but Paul is saying something here that's really key, because look what he says. He says, what is the width? There's width. What is the length? Here's length. And what is the depth? Here's depth. And what is the height? At first, I thought that was a mistake. But all the translations talk about four dimensions there. Four dimensions. What's the other dimension? I put forward today that God's love is this dimension that, or factor, if you like, that enters our three-dimensional world. Love will change things. Love will intersect our little time. There's two types of time. There's chronos time, which is the clock. We live by that. But the Greeks also had another word, which was kairos time. Chronos is quantity. Kairos is quality. You could say, it's the time is 120. Or you could say, I went to church and had a good time. One is kairos, one is chronos. But when God comes and he shows up in his love, love, he is not bound by the chronos of time. He can intersect at any point into your life and show up. And when we walk in love, when we walk in faith, it affects the chronos of time. It, it'll actually intersect and make a difference in people's lives. Prayer is so powerful. When it's mixed in love, when it's rooted in love, it changes things. Wow. We're here today because love changed us, right? All those cardboard testimonies we had last week, 40-some cardboard testimonies. You know, we had Joel there who used to come to church in a wheelchair, now jumping and walking. What, what happened? Love intersected. We, we had somebody who said, 
you can't, this baby will never be born normal. You must abort the baby. And she held up her baby. We had somebody said, you can't have children. They had children there. We had so many different cardboard testimonies. I was, thought myself was a loser. Then they turned over the cardboard testimony. I thought, I, this was my life before, after. So every one of them, love had intersected their world. It's, it can intersect our three-dimensional world. So Paul was writing to them about this. Then he said, I pray that you know this. Then in verse 20, now, now, that's an important word because it joins the previous thoughts. When will things be exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think? When will this power work in us? It works in us when we understand love. It works with us when we say, ah, faith works by love, rooted and grounded in love. But if if we don't have a revelation of that, that power stays in seed form. But when that seed drops into the soil of love, the power is released. Wow. Paul's praying. I pray you get a revelation of that. I pray you understand that. There's a, I don't know if you watched the news or read the newspaper this past week, but they're in Geneva. They're trying to find something called the God particle, and it's the Higgs boson it's a little particle of matter that they feel if they can find it it will answer the question why does energy have mass light doesn't have mass but other energy has mass why is that that's been a question that's published uh, puzzled scientists for years and so in geneva they have these accelerators that accelerate energy and then they crash it together and then they take pictures of it and measure it and they they think they're not sure but they think they found this God particle or this Higgs particle. Higgs was a scientist who came up with it. And they're trying to find out what holds everything together. What, what is that that's holding it all together? They're drilling down to the smallest atom, trying to find that out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, in a moment, in the, and that word moment is the word atomus in the Greek. In the smallest division of time, in the smallest, minutest atom, in a twinkling of an eye, God will raise us up. What's going to do that? Scientists are looking for what's holding it all together. And Paul says, in a twinkling of an eye, God's love will raise us up. Maybe one day scientists will say, hey, I think we figured out what's holding the universe together. I think it's God's love. Don't hold your breath on that one, but it might happen. (laughs) But didn't God say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away? He spoke his word. So maybe they'll get down the fact, you know what? What's holding this universe together is some sound waves, some word that was spoken that's holding it all together. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my spoken word will not pass away. So they're searching for it, and it sounds like good science, and it's exciting to listen to, but as a believer... Science drills down to that, but as a believer, Paul's drilling down to the spiritual side of it, and he says, love, a revelation of God's love will release his power through you. Love will also interrupt your life, interrupt your three-dimensional world. It did that for Mary. So go with me to Luke chapter 1. It's there in your notes, and let's read the Christmas story, and look how love intersected her world. Love interrupts her world. Luke chapter 1, this is a Christmas story, verse 20, verse... uh, 6, 26. Now in the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Okay, Gabriel is one of the top angels, all right? So it's like, Gabriel, you have an assignment. Go to Nazareth, meet Mary, have a chat with her. So Gabriel goes, lands in Nazareth. Not bound by time, not bound by space. He shows up in Nazareth. Mary's a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, angel comes in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Now remember that part, we're going to come back to it. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women! Exclamation mark. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. That's like saying, you know, the angel shows up and it's like, Mary, you're highly favored and uh, you're blessed among all women. And she goes, Really? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm troubled. I don't get this. And uh, so the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Sounds pretty sovereign. You will have a baby. He will reign. You will name him Jesus. It sounds pretty much like God has interrupted, and this is what's going to happen. And Mary says to the angel, um... Just one question. How can this be since I don't know a man? She, it wasn't like she was rejecting. She was, it was an honest question. I just don't understand. Uh, how can this be? The angel said to her, uh, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be exalted and he, or will be called the Son of God. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Your aunt's already got a miracle, but you're getting even a bigger miracle. So, Mary, this is going to happen, and Mary's response is classic. She says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Mary said, You know what? I don't understand it, but I'll, I'll believe it. Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Have you ever been following God and said, God, this does not make sense, but nevertheless, let it be to me according to your word. I, I'll, I'm going to follow. It does not make sense, but I, let it be to me according to your word. Mary gives that great response. Mary's life was majorly interrupted. She lived in a three-dimensional world like you and I do. Poor, in a village, teenager, mom and dad. She would have shared her home probably with the animals that they cared for. Angel shows up and says, Mary, you've been picked. And her life changed. God didn't call ahead and say, uh, can you please send Mary a text and let her know that I'm going to be showing up in a little bit. Gabriel will be coming. There's no text. There's no advance warning. Just one day the angel shows up. God doesn't have to give us any advance warning. He just intersects with his love, our world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He first loves us, then we love him. Love invades our, our little world. And there's Mary, and now she's pregnant. She's engaged. God explained it to Joseph. Doesn't get it. An angel kind of helps Joseph out with this. And then more inconvenience. They've been taxed, so they've got to go to Bethlehem. They live in Nazareth. And I know the pictures that we get are of Joseph leading Mary on a donkey, but there's really no reference to that in the Bible. They might have had a donkey, but they likely had to walk. 
Folks, it's 110 miles, 110 kilometers uphill from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And ladies, you've been pregnant, and if you had to walk 110 kilometers uphill, there's no Starbucks along the way. There's no Chevron convenience store. You got, there's, there's none of that. There's not even a rest stop except for maybe some trees and a brook or something. But it's 110 kilometers. And they've been taxed, which doesn't help the matter. They get to Bethlehem. And I always wondered, where are Joseph's family anyhow? He lived, his family's from Bethlehem. So I would just assume they could knock on the door and say, hi, we're here in town. You got a room? But maybe Joseph thought that through, and he, hi, I'm here, and this is my teenage engaged girl. Yes, she's pregnant. How did she get pregnant? Well, this angel showed up, Gabriel himself, and uh, he told Mary that she's highly favored and above all women, and uh, she would have the Messiah. And maybe he played that through in his mind, that, you know, I'm just not going to go there. I'm not even going to try that. <laughs> Because they end up looking for a place to stay, and there is no place to stay. So you know the story. They find a stable, and they go in the stable, and, well, if you've been to a barn, it's basically a barn. Cows, sheep, some donkeys. Cows and sheep of donkey have one thing in common, manure. It smells as stinky as hay, and they're there. And it's now, it's, you know, no midwife. It's not sanitized like St. Paul's Hospital. Joseph never delivered a baby. I, don't, I wouldn't think. He's a carpenter. Not a, not a paramedic, and there they are, and Mary's like, wow, you know, this is, uh, God, just one question, I can see Mary wanting to ask this, she doesn't, but I can see her wanting, God, just, just one question, when, I, when, when Gabriel came to see me, he talked about something about kind of highly favored thing, there was something about, there was like a blessed among all women, I'm just wondering when the perks are going to kick in, because so far, I haven't had much of anything, where is this highly favored stuff? And yet, but love had interrupted her world. Love had visited her. Have you ever feel that way with God? Says, God, I know you visited me. I know you got a plan for me. I know that I heard you, but this ain't looking like highly favored. This ain't looking like much of a plan right now. But love will invade our world, and it doesn't always make sense to us then, but it will later on. The Bible's filled with examples like that where love invades somebody's world. Saul, who later became Paul, was persecuting Christians, saw them stoned and was after them, was just, had a mandate to get rid of Christians. And he's on his way to Damascus. I'm not sure what he was riding, a horse or donkey, but on the way, a light just shines on him, a brighter light than shining on you guys there. You guys are in the light right now. Well, this time of day, the light comes through those windows, but he's, he's, he's going along and all of a sudden this blinding light says, suddenly this light comes on him. And he falls off the horse or the donkey. A voice comes from heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you? And he says, and the voice says, I'm the Lord. I'm Christ, and you're persecuting me. Notice, Saul did not get advance warning. There is nothing like, um, Saul, by the way, you're going to be heading to Damascus tomorrow, and about this time of the day, I'm going to shine a bright light on you, and you're going to fall off, and, and I'm going to ask you a few questions. God doesn't warn us. He just shows up. He invades our little three-dimensional world. We think we got it figured out. We think we got it in control. We think it's all about us and I can control my little world. And God says, no, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to have 
I'm going to reveal myself to you. And I'm going to interrupt your world with my love. Wouldn't be much fun if it was with something else, but he, he invades our world with love. So, God so loved the world, He sent His Son. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. We may not understand it, but it's always a good thing. Think of so many other cases. You could talk about Simon, Peter, and Andrew. They're casting their nets out fishing. Jesus walks by, interrupts their life, not just their day, their life. Goes by and says, hey, you guys, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. It's such an interruption. These are young men starting their careers. They literally drop their nets. Their dad's like, what are you guys doing? Bye, we're following Jesus. Major interruption. Love interrupted their world. Levi, he's a tax collector for the government. He's collecting taxes. Jesus walks by, and all he says to him is two words, follow me. Jesus is love personified, right? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, the Father's love. Jesus walks by, follow me. How many know no government tax collector leaves their cases to come follow you, to come follow Jesus? That's just not normal. But when love invades your world, so Levi leaves, then he has a party for Jesus at his house. Elijah is running out of food at the brook, and God says, it's okay, Elijah, go to Zarephath, a little village, there's a lady there, and she'll take care of you. Famine in the land. This lady's out picking up sticks. She's going to make her last meal for her and her son. And Elijah walks up and says, um, I'd like to have something to drink and some food. And it totally invades her world. And she says, um, you know, I'm, I'm picking up some sticks here, sir. And uh, I've got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. And we're about to make my last meal. And then... We're, that's it. We're, we're, de- we're done. And he says, all right, well, go and uh, get you a little bit of meal, a little bit of bread. And uh, this is what he says to her. And make me a piece of bread, and then you can make one for you and your son. Doesn't that sound backwards? Shouldn't he be saying, you know what? Uh, go ahead. Make sure you have something. Make sure your son has something. If there's anything left over, then give it to me. But you know, he says, no, no. Make it for me first. Now, there's a test. You talk about love invading your world. It's like, this does not, I do not understand this. But kind of like Mary, well, let it be done to me according to your word. She goes and makes a meal, feeds it him first, and then her son and her eat after that. What happened right there? At that little moment of time, what, what did she do? Paul says, love seeks not its own. Love prefers one another. That little lady went, got her sticks together, made a fire, took out a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, made the bread, and she brought it to the prophet in faith and love. Faith and love got mixed together. And she was now in the power miracle zone. The Bible goes on to say she never ran out of flour and she never ran out of oil until the famine was over. Because that explosive, powerful union of love and faith coming together. Love had invaded her world. Hmm. 
lots of examples, great examples we could go to, but just for the sake of time, uh, let me go to the last point. God's timing may not make sense for us. Luke 2 verse 19 says, but Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. She didn't understand it all. I'm sure it made sense later on. But later on, she would look back and reflect on it, even as she was going through it. When, when you experience those things in life and you think, God, what's going on? It can make you bitter or it can make you better. And you say, God, what are you doing? But Mary says, God, I just trust you. That woman at Zarephath, God, I'm just going to trust you. And know that God's got something in this. God interrupts our life. It's never for bad. It's for good. He's a God of love. We may not understand the time, but he interrupts our lives for a good thing, not for a bad thing. And he doesn't always tell you what's up. You just have to trust him that it's going to get better. There's something in this for me. Love has interrupted my life. Therefore, there's something good's going to come out of it. When I graduated from high school, I went to Bible school here in, in Clearbrook or Abbotsford. Then I came back home, worked through the summer and into the fall on the drilling rigs. And me and my friends, our plan was we were going to go to the Cook Islands and Fiji Islands and we're going to take all my money that I've made, work on the drilling rigs, and we're just going to stay in the South Seas until it's all gone and spend the money. And so it sounded like a plan. What else would you want to do when you're that age, right? I'm 19. Going on 20, why not just save up as much money as I can and then just live until it's gone? And so we got it all planned out, got all the shots, some malaria shots and all the shots, saved my money, got the tickets, and I'm all ready to go. December comes along, and uh, I get some phone calls, and God interrupts my plans. Inconvenient and just disruptive. Love shows up, and God visits me in a real uh, divine way, and he impresses on my heart go back to Bible school. I go, what? What's with that? So I worked through Christmas Day. I worked the following week. I said, this makes no sense. I had to cancel my f- plans, phone my friends. It was really inconvenient. It was awkward. I went back to school. I'm in school. I said, God, what am I doing here? I don't fit. It's second semester, and things have changed, and I could be in Fiji. I could be in the Cook Islands. It's raining every day in Vancouver, in the lower mainland. I could be there, the son of my friends. What am I doing here? And uh, God just was working on my heart. Just trust me. Just trust me. Guys, this is for you. Two months later, I noticed this beautiful blonde-haired gal. And I went, oh, God, I got to figure it out. I know why you wanted me here. And I met Cheryl. And it was, I'm so glad that he interrupted my life. I'm so glad he interrupted my plans. And uh, the rest is history. Sometimes we don't understand when love interrupts our world. Say, God, what are you doing? But it's never for bad. It's always for good. Love interrupts our world. It did for Mary, but it was for great things. Love's in our heart. When we pray with faith in love, the world around us will change. I hope this Christmas season, if you haven't experienced the love of God, that you will. God is pursuing us, if you like, with his love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.